0: So Advent, as many of you know very well, is about Christ's arrival, and not just his birth, but his second coming, when his kingdom will be consummated in full. And a helpful way to look at this and think about this, and this is where we're going today, to think about Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. In the past, at a certain point in history, Jesus Christ came and he declared his lordship And his kingship, and he called all people everywhere to lay down their arms of rebellion and turn to him, to submit to him as their king. In the present, his people, his church, are those who through faith follow him in obedience and love, and they're called to live out and proclaim this gospel of grace, this good news of what Jesus has accomplished. And we're called to do that to the ends of the earth. In the future, at Christ's second coming... He will occupy his kingdom fully and finally, and in doing so will banish from the land all those who refuse to lay down their arms of rebellion and submit to him as king and who instead choose to be their own king. So, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future in the past. Sometimes it's helpful this time of year to think back to when you're maybe 8, 10 years old and the magic... It felt to me anyway like magic at Christmas time. The excitement it comes with this promise of what Christmas Day will bring. There's gonna be lots of presents, there's time with cousins, there's Johnny Mathis on the record album stereo. And and when I was a kid, the anticipation for Christmas in the days and even weeks leading up to it where they were just palpable. I, I literally couldn't wait. One of the things that my brother and I used to do is in the days before Christmas we would we would do like a, a sneak around the house and try to find where mom and dad stashed the gifts and we were always un- unsuccessful until we were about 10 years old and we we found the motherlode in in a closet and it was a for me it was a brand new San Diego Chargers football helmet I mean, joy, ecstasy. The problem is, mom and dad um, found out because we couldn't help but talking about it. Uh, between it, we were not good thieves. And uh, so they said, sorry, we got to take it back. So, but even in spite of that heartbreak, in spite of that heartbreak, Christmas morning was incredible. Incredible things would happen. We would get things for free. It makes me smile to think back to Christmas past. Now... The original recipients of Jeremiah's prophecy, they had a different kind of view of their past. They were certainly thinking about the future for Emmanuel, for God to come to deliver them. And we've got to look at a bit of their history to understand what's happening in this passage as it's given to us. And we're going to do a little bit of biblical theology. We're going to tell the story hopefully pretty briefly here. But God created human beings in his own Image And we were created to live with God in communion with him, joyfully, dependent on him for all things. But as I'm sure at Trinity you talk about often and in in many churches, Genesis 3 comes all too quickly. Adam and Eve, our first parents, they were deceived by the serpent who told them that they could be gods, small g gods, themselves. That their creator wasn't trustworthy or good. And our first parents believed the lie. And the communion between God and man was shattered. That was the Israelites' past. They knew that story well. That's, that's actually our past as well. Now, the mark of humanity is trying to be God and trying to reach God and, and in the midst of this eternal gulf dividing us because of our sin. And all of this leads to misery, devolution, and death, and it leads to eternal separation with God, which is Hell. And God would be perfectly just, perfectly right in leaving us in that condition, but he doesn't. God calls a man and a people to be the vehicle for redemption. And we could even see echoes of the the gospel, the evangelion, in Genesis 3, but but more specifically and directly, explicitly, is Abraham being called in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. You're going to be a blessing to the nations. Now, Abraham's family, they grow into a great family, they're given God's laws, and, and then God's people are called to live out those laws to the glory of God and as a blessing to the nations uh, around them. But it doesn't go well for the Israelites. God's people are too much like their first parents. They lack what's required, which is righteousness. They fight with God by pursuing idols. They fight with each other through war, injustice, persecution. And the nation of Israel ultimately splits. You have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom called Israel, the southern called Judah. Judah includes uh, Jerusalem. And the northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians and exiled. The southern kingdom, Judah didn't do a whole lot better. And a few years later, they found themselves in the same spot. Roughly the late 6th, early 5th centuries B.C. In spite of Jeremiah's warnings, in spite of the prophet's warnings, the people of Judah continued in their idolatry, trying to be God. Jeremiah 1.16, they have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the work of their hands. Chapter 2, they went after worthlessness and became worthless. And the people of Judah were exiled. Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was raised, and recipients of Jeremiah's prophecy looked at their ugly past. God has judged us, exiled us, we're in this foreign land, now what do we do? Now what is God going to do? Is he going to just leave us here? Is this it? Their future doesn't look too bright. And, and I sometimes think, well, can we put ourselves in the Israelites, in the Judahites' shoes? Yeah, my past. When I look back, I can see, and this is over 50 some odd years, broken relationships, regrets, selfishness, sin. What do I do with that? Maybe your past is bleak enough that you don't have a whole lot of hope for the future. But what was promised to Judah Well, we have to look back. You can look at Jeremiah 29, verse 10. After God judges Judah with exile under the hand of the Babylonians, he promises, I will visit you. I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place. And we remember in the Old Testament that the land was always tied to salvation. I will save you. I will bring you back to the land. Move a little bit further into chapter 32. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to paraphrase this. It's a whole string of what God will do. Behold, I will gather them. I will bring them back to this place. I will make them dwell in safety. I will be their God. I will be the, give them one heart in one way. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts. I will rejoice in doing them good. I will plant them in the land in faithfulness. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion. In spite of your history, God is saying, I'm going to do this, a work of God's sovereign grace. Yeah, you're a mess, and your past is a mess. I'm going to do this. I will. Those are promises for us too, so that we can be a people of hope. In the Christian church, now, today, 21st century America, we are people of hope. Look at verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Justice. We've heard over the last eight, ten years, justice. Justice. Some of you remember back to like the early 2000s in the evangelical church. We talk about being a missional church. We're a church on mission. And after a while, sometimes that language starts to sound pretty hollow. In some ways, I think that word justice, we talk about social justice and and community justice, and we have to be a just people, and there's justice. Let it roll down. And it's like, yes, true. We want to be missional. We want to be a just people. We want God's justice. But here's what happens a lot of times, I've noticed. And this was spent after years on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania. It's them. God, we want justice, and God is very rarely even mentioned in that. But it's them. They're the bad guys. They're doing wrong. They're, they're the ones who are making a mess. And Solzhenitsyn was the one who said this, good and evil runs through the heart of every person. Do I really want God's justice? I don't know. God is perfectly just in what he had done in judging the Judites. He's perfectly just in judging me for my sin in 50 years of my life. But he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Now, this is messianic language that Jeremiah, Isaiah, other prophets have used that God himself is coming to make things right, to make things new The true King, the Savior, and we think back now. Us two thousand years ago, Messiah came, the one who had been promised to Israel and given for the world. After a horrible, disobedient past, God restores justice and righteousness. So again, for me, there's days and um, seasons when I'm so overwhelmed by my sin and regret. From the past ways in which i'm embarrassed like how i acted um what i said what i didn't say but that past for me just like the past of the Judahites, overwhelmed by god's grace i will do this and then in christ coming god can say i did this in jesus grace the gift of grace after all the mess disobedience idolatry sin, God rescues, cleans up the mess, promises new hearts and a new life. And just a really kind of a silly picture of that. On Christmas morning when I was 10 years old and mom and dad said, yeah, we're sending the the helmet back to Sears, um, I opened up my present and there was my San Diego Chargers football helmet. Grace, it's a gift. All right, that's the past. Let's talk about the present. This Christmas um, is our first Christmas that we'll be with family in a couple of weeks. weeks. Marcelle and I, my wife Marcelle, um, we come from Iowa. Anybody here from Iowa? Anybody know that there is a place called Iowa? <laughs> yeah, there's a hand, hallelujah. There's not many of us. So we're heading back to Iowa. That's where all of our family is. And we, Marcelle and I have been lamenting the last few years um, you know, missing holidays with, with family, it, it's been hard. Um, so this year we're super psyched, we're, we're, we'll be home. Um, the present for the audience of Jeremiah's letter was more bitter, they were in a strange place, they were exiled, no promise of going home, uncertain of what God was doing, but sure that they were being judged. So in the present moment, as they're receiving this prophecy from Jeremiah, they're living in the tension of past sin and future uncertainty, Now, for us, um, for some of us, I think the holidays can be pretty miserable. Um, Maybe a little bit too happy, too plastic, too brittle. Um, Forced happiness kind of seems wrong. Um, And sometimes in these consumer-driven holidays, the joy of Christmas is eclipsed by, man, i got to get ready for this party. I've got presents to buy. I don't know if I can listen to Mariah Carey one more time. Um, I am slowly going insane and living in the moment can seem impossible. There's always, what's next? What we got next? And we got to get things to do and, and, and um, they're gifts to buy. Makes mistakes the last year to avoid. How do we live in the present, much less enjoy it? Well, I think the word for us today is with trust. Listen to what Jeremiah said to the Israelites while they were in Babylon. This is Jeremiah 29. Many of you are familiar with this pericope. God says, I know your past, but this is what you do now. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. It goes on in verse 7, increase in number there. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into and pray the lord for it what's god telling them now where you're at where you find yourselves live Pray, remain faithful, grow the kingdom, grow your families. And we can relate to this, I think, as Christians in 1 Peter. We're called strangers and exiles in a strange land. We're called to do the same thing. We don't need to be spiritual rock stars. We're called to be faithful, to walk in obedience. God working out our salvation, sanctifying us by his grace. Just as you received Christ, so you walk in him by faith. The power of sin is broken. It's not what defines us today. We don't have to continually be regretting the past or worrying about the future and what's coming. We can enjoy, actually, the present. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about, God, are you going to judge me for my sin? No, the verdict is already in. Jesus, the eternal king in David's line, and the eternal priest who sacrificed once for all Leads us into God's presence as righteous. He's come. He's fulfilled the law for us. His record is your record if you're a follower of Jesus. For the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6. A righteous branch. He shall reign as king, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. It's a work of God's grace in us. 1 Corinthians 1.30, Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is your present status before God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you ever question today, man, i just see my sin do i belong in god's kingdom do i belong in his family am i righteous and everything about your past and even in the very moment says no you can answer this question is christ righteous is christ righteous if you answer that With yes, that's the answer to your first question. You, in union with Christ, have his record. God looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus. That is your present status. Now that Christ has come, our view of ourselves in the present moment is changed. We can be thankful. Have thankful hearts. Sin has no hold on us. We're no longer enslaved to it. The penalty for sin has been taken by Jesus, and we can experience the joy of this Christmas season. All right, finally, Christmas future. What's it going to look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Maybe you'll have a new spouse, or there'll be grandkids, new job. Maybe there'll be a jet pack under your Christmas tree. Uh, But maybe more existentially, am I going to make it? Will will I still be following Jesus 25 years from now? Will I hold on to my faith? Now for Jeremiah's audience, the people of Israel, they were not just looking ahead for a return to the land. They were looking for salvation and security. They were continually looking forward. God, what are you going to do? Your judgment now is deserving, but is there hope? And for them, the hope came in this idea of Messiah. The Davidic dynasty, this once glorious tree Sprouting from the seed of Jesse. But now it's a, it's a stump. And stumps are symbols of dead things. Dead people, dead trees, dead kingdoms. And it's into this that God speaks. Telling the people of Israel and all of us, from impossible situations, I make things possible. From despair, I bring hope. From death, I give life. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11 says, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, the Hebrew word for branch is netzer, and we see that same word in, in verse 15 of our passage today. It's netzer, which is where we get the place name of Nazareth. So we just tuck that away in your hip pocket for a second. But while the kings who came from the house of David failed time and time again, bad king after bad king, there would be a true king, a righteous king, to come from the impossible to the possible, from hopelessness to genuine hope, from death to life. We think of Luke 2:25. There was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. "'Waiting for the consolation of Israel, "'and the Holy Spirit was upon him. "'And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit "'that he would not see death "'before he had seen the Lord's Christ. "'And he held the child Jesus and said, "'Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace "'according to your word, For my eyes have seen your salvation, "'that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples "'a light for revelation to the Gentiles "'and for glory to your people Israel.'" The king had come, Jesus, the king, and yet so much more than an heir of King David, and so much more than a high priest, which he is, to make sacrifices for his people, but the ultimate king, the ultimate sacrifice, defending his people in perfect righteousness and giving of himself as a spotless lamb for atonement. So just as something cosmically radical happened in a cave in Bethlehem, which we're going to be celebrating here in the next couple of weeks, the purpose for which Jesus was born was to do something even more radical, to do away with sin once and for all, not just the penalty for sin, which he's accomplished, and the power of sin, which has been lessened, but not completely eradicated. One day, the very presence of sin will be no more because of Christ. And that's what Christmas points to. Jesus of Nazareth, branch, coming to give life. And so our future means no more death for it's swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll sing maybe here at Trinity, um, joy to the world on Christmas morning, or Christmas Eve. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. That's our future, all because of Jesus our Christ. I'm going to invite Trevor to come up, and then I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have. And Lord, for um, my brothers and sisters who are feeling on the knife's edge of hopelessness this morning, Lord God, would you, by your spirit, bring comfort and a measure of joy? Would you make our hearts sing moment by moment, day by day, through this Advent season, that we have a living and abiding hope in Christ Jesus, our King. I pray in his name. Amen.
1: Father God, we do thank you for uh, the Advent season. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to Reflects on Christmas's past and on present and future Christmases. We thank you that we can see that through you have been working to uh, redeem a people for yourself, to uh, bring all things to um, unity in you. We thank you for that. And we pray that as we um, look back on Christmas's past and see the sinfulness and the guilt of our lives, that you would help us to remember that um, it is covered and that you are making all things new. We thank you that um, we can have hope for the future, knowing that at some time there will be no more death, no more tears. And um, we pray that as we live at this time, that you would just help us to live with trust, knowing that you are in control and um, working all things for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.